are in the second part of Blueprint, in the second section of Blueprint. And I don't know about you, but when I look at something that says Blueprint, I'm expecting it's going to be something laid out that gives me a plan to figure everything out. I mean, that's what a blueprint is, isn't it? It's a, it's a drawing of what your house is going to turn out like. It's got all the wiring diagrams, all the plumbing diagrams, all the walls, the layout, and you're looking at it going, yeah, I know, it's predictable. Everything's going to turn out a certain way if I follow this exact plan. I'm going to get the desired outcome. And even though I decide to name the book Blueprint for the Christ Follower and the Collective of Christ Followers, I'm not sure I can give you a perfect blueprint that is fully predictable and gives you the desired outcome you have when it comes to God. I know that sounds strange, but I'm not sure I can present to you a God that is fully predictable, that the outcomes he has are exactly what you want. I'm not sure that is something we lay at God's feet. That's not his issue. But I think it is our issue. God doesn't fit our definition of predictability. Our assumptions based on what we know in our experience says that God's going to act a certain way, but I don't know that I've ever experienced a God that acts exactly the same way every time, even though I look at a situation and say, it's the same, God's going to do this, I know that, which can make it very uncomfortable for us. We want to know a God that's predictable. We want a God that we can guess what he's going to do next. And that's one of the reasons that I try to use three different words. You know, we talked about sections. We got a sections on knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Now, in English, they're used interchangeably. If you understand something, you have wisdom. Or if you know something, you have wisdom in that area. And we often say, I understand that, so we'll assume they know that, or the person knows that. Now, I am not going to stop you in the hallways and say, now, now, you really mean knowledge, or you really mean wisdom. But for the purpose of me speaking, for the purpose of this book, I'm trying to use the words slightly differently, because I think they help us in our faith walk. I think if we look at knowledge as being fully knowing something. We know how it works. We know each individual system and how it all comes together. The biggest problem here, by the way, I was taught in school, never define a word by using the word. I'm going to slip up and do this. I'm sorry. But knowledge is knowing. It's knowing how it works. If we look at a car, if you're a mechanic, you know a combustion engine right down from the spark plugs, the gasoline, how it fires, how that crankshaft thingy causes everything to go up and down and how eight cylinders is different than four and how you make it work. If you are not a mechanic, you probably understand that you need air in your tires. You need to change your oil. You probably don't even know what the difference is between 5W and 10W. You just have to get that because that's what it says on the little knobby thing. You don't know how that car works, but you know air in the tires, gas in the tank. You push the button or you turn the key, whatever you have, it starts up, boom, it goes. You understand the basics. Someone who's never seen a car does not have as much understanding or any understanding at all. But you don't know how a car works like a mechanic knows. And I try to use those differently because when it comes to your faith walk and it comes to my faith walk, I'll be honest with you, I think I have more faith that my car is going to start than that God's always going to show up. Why? Because I generally understand, I can see a car. I can go out and say, yeah, there's enough air in all my four tires. Oh yeah, vroom, I hear it go. It worked yesterday, it'll probably work today. I changed my oil, I did what I needed to do. That is something that 
I can understand how it works and even know that in my experience it always works. But when it comes to God, I don't know enough about God to truly, based on what's in my brain, trust God. Which means I got to have a level of faith. I have to have a level of understanding because my knowledge will not take me anywhere. As a matter of fact, the Bible is very, very clear on what we know about God. And if you're one who is easily insulted when you th may think to yourself, well, I'm being called unintelligent, then you're not going to like these verses. Because God makes statements about himself, while they are true about God, they kind of make us realize we need to be put in our place in comparison. Listen to what he says. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. If we think we know God, that just blew it all up for us. We need to think again. God doesn't think like us. God doesn't react like we do. I don't know about you how long you've been a Christian, but I went to the backyard Bible school. I don't even remember there was letters or initials for it. But in the summers, we went to someone's backyard and we learned about the Bible. We memorized verses. And boy, when you got all those stars and you had all those memorized verses, you knew everything you needed to know. The problem is, didn't really understand God, but I could regurgitate some words that were taught to me. I discovered early on in my young adulthood that what I actually knew was informational, but not fully knowing God, and nor would I ever fully know God. I can tell you what John 3.16 means, but it probably means so much more to God than I can ever comprehend. It was his son on the cross. It was his son that felt the weight of the sins of the world on him. I can't understand that. I barely sense the weight of my own sins. In, in all truthfulness, I don't understand the gravity of my own sin. I can regurgitate these things, but I can't fully know God. And maybe we've got comfortable because we get smarter as we get older. We learn more and more. I'm now saying this, and I hope I'm believing it. The more I get older, the more I know, the more I realize how much I don't know. I just don't know God well enough. I'm not concerned about it. I'm not condemning myself. But God becomes bigger rather than smaller as I realize how much I don't know. See, Christianity, at least in our North American culture, has gotten down to a couple of slot A, tab B types of setups. If we do this, this, and this, God will do this, this, and this. That's pretty predictable, but it's pretty humanly predictable. God does stuff differently. It's, it's Pentecost Sunday. I'm trying to figure out what they were praying up in the upper room there. I don't think it was God lick my head with tongues of fire and make me speak weird languages and have a bunch of people say, you're drunk. Who would have come up with that plan? Who would have thought that God would say, you're going to go out there in front of a hostile crowd. You're going to say this, you killed the Messiah. You messed up. See, God doesn't think like we think. He doesn't act like we act. God does not, not, doesn't pay homage to the culture that we have developed or that we're in. The trend in Christianity, I want to keep repeating this, in North America is based on our culture. We like to understand. I like to watch the NASA channel. 
My wife thinks I'm crazy. There's no commercials at all in the thing. You just keep going and you see old videos or films, or I guess they're films actually, of the Apollo taking off there. And all those neat things. I want to know to the rest of the world, especially places where they don't have food. The TV may be something they don't have, but they don't really care what it takes to propel a rocket into space. We know a lot because I can flip through channels and learn a lot of stuff. The problem is what I know is not dependable, but it's migrated into our church culture. Now, I want to pull things aside here. You've heard me talk a lot about church being in the wrong place. Maybe I've referred to Grace or to other churches. I want you to recognize that almost every sermon I preach, I can pick up and walk to another North American church and get the same traction. We spent 40 years or so going, we can come up with a plan. We know what to do. We've lost the idea that everything needs to rest on God. That we are tiring ourselves out trying to do things that God isn't asking us to do. So if you think I'm picking on the church, if it's the Holy Spirit convicting you, that's fine. But I want you to know this isn't about grace, community church. It's about every church that uses the word grace in North America. We have become comfortable in our own knowledge and missed out on an incredible God. How can I trust God if he is equal to me, if God is limited to my understandings of I think one of the toughest part of the journey of faith is to actually have faith. Faith in a God that is not predictable in human terms. God doesn't think like me, which means I have no idea what God's thinking. God doesn't do what I would do. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where people have not been healed from horrible diseases and died. And other times where people that maybe in my mind I'd look and say they're not really strong in their faith. Maybe they have no faith at all. And God has miraculously stepped in. So if that happens, now I want to figure something out. God stepped in, so what's he doing? He did this miracle, so where are all the people running to God with their faith? And I can't figure that out either. I don't understand what God is doing. He takes what we do and he uses it. We're told that all things work together for the good of those who love God. First mistake we make is we think all good things work together. Bad things work for God too. The second thing is, is we can be in his will and he can use it. We can be out of his will and he can use it. But the tiring part is when we build outside of what God intends. We're using a building metaphor. We have those footings that everything sits on. If we start building a 2,000 square foot home on a 1,000 square foot set of footings, it's going to be weak and falling apart, and we're going to spend our whole time trying to keep it together. And God's not supporting what we're doing or where we're going. We should be thankful he's gracious, because stepping outside of God's will without grace would be the end of us. Stepping away from where God intends us without his grace and love would be our finishing. Now, the big question is, and you may be asking this, Dave, how in the world can I trust a God that's not predictable? How can I say it's okay, he's going to do good things when I can't figure out what he's going to do at all? Well, we'll get to that. Let me step back here. For those of you who are not construction-y people, which I am not, but I have two kids that are actually in construction and can explain this to me better, and I've watched HGTV, so I know just about everything about renovation. 
and how not to do it, mostly. Anyway, the footing is actually, so let's go to the verse in the Bible, the verses that Jesus describes building on the rock and on the sand. And we often translate that on a firm foundation. Technically, in building, rock would be your footing. It's what you drill into. It's what holds the weight of everything up. So you go to your basement, you look, and there's these walls around you in the basement. Those are the foundation. But those walls sit on top of the footings, which is a specially poured pad. It's not the same as the one you walk on. It's deeper. It may be a different type of cement. It may be a different strength. There may be metal in that that's not in other places. Some of you probably have those ugly brown poles, the metal ones. I love them. You get to hit them, and the people upstairs go crazy. Bong, bong, bong. Those poles are ugly. Just take them out. Get them out of the way. Can't do that, can you? What's important is that transfers the weight down onto a footing, a footing that supports the weight of that house. Footings support the weight of the house. Then metaphorically, footings support the weight of life. And those footings need to be God. Only God supports it. And if you do knock out those supports, if you don't put in a proper footing, the house will start to bend and fall apart. I think as churches and as Christians, Often we create our own blueprints. We don't rest on God. We spend most of our time running around trying to support something that God doesn't support. Again, I'm thankful for his graciousness. I'm not condemning. I, I, he without sin, throw the first stone. Unfortunately, when you're up here speaking, it looks like you're always throwing the stones. The truth is, I'm the guy building stuff. God, look what I'm doing for you. God, look, I'm doing a great job. Bless it. And God's going, but, but I just want you to sit there and rest. But God, I've got to be busy. we got to get this done. What's going to happen if we don't this, do this by now or by next week? We get so caught up that we're not resting in God, but our own understanding, our own thoughts and our own deeds. It's tough as a Christ follower to actually trust God. But it's even tougher as North Americans to trust a God that we don't need at the same level. You want to see your faith jump? Go somewhere where food isn't guaranteed. Go somewhere where medicine isn't available. Or become sick with something that can't be cured by our doctors. Then you're forced to rest on God. Hopefully we are learning together to rest on God, to put the weight of what this church is and what we are on God, not on ourselves. Hopefully we don't have to learn through difficult times, but our God is great. And he will walk us through those, the valley of the shadow of death. And we need not fear evil. God will walk us through areas that are difficult so that we will trust him. But hopefully, too, we will learn. So what do we do? How do we trust a God we can't predict? He isn't going to give me the outcome I want. Well, I'm not going to make it easier. I'm going to make it worse on you. How do we trust a God when I can't figure him out? Proverbs 1625 says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. It doesn't get better, does it? His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And on top of that, my thoughts can lead to death. I am predisposed to going in a direction I should not because it makes me comfortable. So what do I do? I can't follow my own ways, but God's not predictable enough for me to comfortably trust. I can't fully know him. But that's where understanding God fits in. 
I believe our brothers and sisters that at the beginning of the church didn't struggle the same way we do. I really do. I believe there was that point. We got to remember, for them, if there was a famine, there was a real famine. Often here, we can fly goods in. We can have a fundraiser, and we can help drought areas out. Often in Canada, we just go to a different store and buy stuff. We're not concerned about this. Our brothers and sisters would say, why are you trying to figure it out for yourself? Trust God. But our experience hasn't required us to trust God at the same level. I think I talked a bit about this last week. Our health and our wealth and our travel, our R&R, all those things that we want to do, sometimes we're just worried about whether we're going to Cuba or Dominican Republic or where we're going. When some people are just hoping it'll be warm enough that they don't freeze to death. See, our problems are different, and therefore our reliance on God is different. That's not condemning the blessings we have, but being realistic that they don't teach us and train us to trust God because we really don't need to. Why should my whole life rest on God when I can figure it out myself? And I believe that can end up working its way into the way we work out church, the way we work out what we do. Do we pray enough about where God's taking us? I would suggest that we try rather than trust. We try to come up with a plan. We try to come up with what we know. We try to come up with a way to do it, and we act on it. Those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. I wonder if there should be another verse there. Those who don't wait on the Lord will be weak and overwhelmed, worried and concerned. They will not be at peace, but they will work as hard to move everything forward, and they'll run at something because they can't just say, God, what? The day of Pentecost, we, we have that, and I think we focus on it, but they were there a long time praying and waiting on God. Could we have another day of Pentecost? I don't know that I want to sit and wait and pray that long. That's a long time to hang out with a bunch of people and just wait for God. You know, they just trusted that God would do something. They didn't know what. We need to do the same thing. Thing. Proverb warns us that we'll come up with our own ways, but they're not necessarily right, and they can lead to death. But the Bible also promises that God will support us and strengthen us in His ways, that He will be the footings. We need to build on God, no bigger, no smaller, exactly what God wants us to do. But we still have the dilemma, how do I trust a God that's unpredictable and a God that doesn't necessarily give me the outcomes I want. How can I rest everything on Him? Well, I'm going to suggest God is a heck of a lot more predictable than you think. See, it's the way we approach it that's wrong. Predictability to us is we know the outcome. I know that if they stitch me up, it's going to heal, right? That's predictable. I know that if I get my car, it's going to start, or for the most part, start. If it doesn't, get a tow truck, get it fixed, it's going to work. Predictability to us is saying, I know the next step. Step. Predictability in Christianity is trusting and knowing who God is. Understanding. We can't fully know, but understanding who God is. God is predictable because God cannot be anything but holy, righteous, perfect, and just, truth, and light. We can predict that God will never act outside of perfection and holiness. That's going to take a leap of faith because God does not, let's be honest, does not look perfect and holy all the time to us because our version of holiness is different than God's. 
God is calling us to rest in him and his timing, and we're calling God to get busy. What is wrong? You sleeping? You napping? I mean, I know that sounds pretty outlandish, but we often act as though God isn't acting fast enough. Why? Because we don't allow ourselves to understand that God is holy and perfect. We talk about the generations we affect. And I don't remember if you said it this time or the other time or both times, but the idea that what we do may not come as a harvest now. It may be another generation away, but that's okay. Some plant, some reap. Why do we have to move so quickly that we have immature plants being harvested? Because we need a harvest now. Is our God so weak that we can't trust him? Well, it's because he doesn't do things in human ways. His thoughts are not ours, so we have trouble grasping it. If we can simply say, I understand that God is perfect, then we'll let him be God in our lives. His plan is always desirable if you desire something that is holy, perfect, just, righteous. His plan is not desirable if you want something that makes you comfortable and content. There are times when God lets us be comfortable and content. In his perfection, there are times of rest that we need. But I think sometimes we're caught napping when we should be active and caught being active when we should be napping and resting in God. How can I trust what I don't fully know is to understand that God will never make a step that is imperfect and unholy. It's a shift. It's trust. It's faith. I don't like the term blind faith because we're not blind, but let's just say we're not 2020 vision either. We can't see the future. We can only look back to the past and see our present. Faith is not totally blind. We have the word of God that explains who God is, but there's a level of stepping out and saying, I don't know. And there's a level of saying, I will not act till I know. And I will act against my most comfortable feelings and take steps that don't make me comfortable. It's not easy, but it is necessary. If you want your faith to grow, sometimes you've got to sit and let it grow. How long do plants sit under the ground? And then when they come up, I've got my garden plants now, and the vegetables are like this big. I don't even know what we planted, but let's assume there's some carrots in there somewhere. Ever tried to pick a carrot with a leaf that big? You'll have no idea what's there. There's just this root funny thing underneath. See, that's the problem. If we applied the way we live to regular life, we'd never have a harvest of anything. We have to rest in God even when it's uncomfortable. I have found myself tired because I'm running ahead of God saying, God, we got to do this. I can see the finish line. The problem is I may only see the finish line. I may never make the finish line myself. Maybe some of us are like Moses, although in Moses' case, it was a result of an action he shouldn't have taken. He did get to see the promised land, but never got to enter it. That did not change God's plan for the Israelites, but it did change the plan for Moses. Some of us may be forced to rest in God knowing that we will never see the finish line. We'll never see the outcome. Some of us may need to recognize, and I myself need to recognize, I'm trying to get somewhere where I may not be called to get. God may have called me to be this, and I want to be this. Remember our idea of footings? When I try to be this, and God has only given me the strength to be this, I will be constantly crumbling and not relaxing in God. There is peace in doing what God calls you to do, even if that is nothing. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. 
trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now, I do not want to go against the Bible, but if I was writing this, I would have put lean not on your own knowledge because I'm trying to make the two words differently. But your own understanding is your ability to know. Don't lean on what you know. Lean on what God knows, his perfection. Trust in the Lord with everything you are and don't lean on what you know because you don't know enough. His ways are not your ways. His ideas, his thoughts are not your thoughts. Trust in the Lord with everything you are. And in all ways, acknowledge him. I love that. In every moment of discomfort and joy in life, acknowledge that God is in control and he's where we rest. There is rest in the Lord. Those that wait upon the Lord are renewing their strength. Those of us who are trying to get ahead of the Lord are just wasting their energy. Acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Now for us of the highway generation where everything goes pretty straight and the corners are all banked and everything's wonderful, we don't get this. But there's, un, there's rocky, unstraight paths that are uncomfortable at twist ankles that people would have been used to in that time. God will make it comfortable even in your discomfort he will make those paths straight he will remove those rocks in your way acknowledge him and let him do that don't get on the road before it's finished before it's been made straight and don't get off the road or you'll be making u-turns and turning around in circles and tired the challenge for us today is to trust in the lord with everything we are and stop trying to determine it ourselves it is a big challenge because the truth is I can't trust myself. And I can't trust your plans. I can't gamble on my life, my Christ following, by saying I've got an idea. God will not be thwarted. His plan will come through. But what's best for me is to rest on the one who created me, designed me to be what he called me to be. I guess the biggest thing I've got to ask you is, will you trust in the Lord? Or are you going to try and figure him out? Because wherever you end up, heaven's not the question. Those who believe are going to heaven, but you may end up taking the long road through the rest of your life, getting nothing done. Because God's over here saying, come here, I got a plan. And we're over here going, come here, God, I got a plan. The choice is ours. Will we rest on God and his strength or will we try and do it ourselves? Take it from a guy who's tried to do it himself. It's tiring. It's a waste of time. You get nowhere. And you feel separate from God even though he's right there because you're not calling on his strength and you're weak and you're crying out, God, why is it this way? It's that way God is saying, because I have a different plan, a better plan. Rest on me. I can support the weight because I created what supports the weight. And I created you to rest in me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I don't know where each one of us is, how far off the mark, how much we've built that doesn't rest in you, but I do know you are a God of grace. I don't know how far ahead of you we've run and said we've got to have it our way. We've got to go this direction or that direction because it's more comfortable with God Help us to understand that you see all of history at once. You know what is coming. You know the timing. You know what needs to be done. God, help us to have enough faith to trust you 
and recognize you are predictable because you are always perfect and holy and just and righteous. God, start with each one of us this morning, not just not to get ahead of you, not just to rest in you, rely on you, and let you be God of our lives. But God, it's scary. It's scary to trust what we cannot see. But the alternative is even scarier, is to not have you in our lives. Guide us, direct us this week, and help us to totally surrender to you. For you are all that ever should matter in our lives. Be our footings, be our support. Allow, help us to allow you to be what you want to be, our everything. In your name we pray.